it's Charlie. If you don't know me, I'm a certified personal and career coach who helps you minimise your doubts and maximise your potential. Welcome to the Your Time to Grow podcast, where I talk through common questions I might be asked, share my tips, tricks and experience. Hello, hello, it is Charlie here. Welcome to episode 123 of the Your Time to Grow podcast. So today I wanted to talk about distorted thoughts and it's been, it's come up for me in my own life and I found it really helpful to understand what distorted thinking is and I, I think like you listening you will have an awareness of this um, but it's always good to review it and go back to stuff um, because we forget it especially when it comes to mindset so there's um, something called distorted thoughts and they affect so much around our mental well-being and it's essentially the way we think and deal with different life situations um, and when we feel stressed or worried, just taking a moment to notice what we're thinking. And in those moments of stress and anxiety and worry, it's highly likely that you'll find your mind is full of negative thoughts. And there's a really strong correlation between what we think and what we feel. And when we're feeling challenged or unhappy, we tend to think in absolute terms. Things like, I'm useless, or I can't do anything right, or nobody likes me. And these are all example of something called absolutes and these types of thoughts are called cognitive distortions in psychology which is a term that means that the way you're thinking about something doesn't necessarily match up with reality and we're going to refer to them as distorted thoughts or I'm going to refer to them as distorted thoughts today. So you may have uh, come across the idea of CBT, uh, cognitive behavioural theory and these techniques can be used to to tackle distorted thoughts um, and change the way you think and feel. And I will come on to this, and I can't remember if I said it right at the beginning of this, and it's only been like, what, a minute? <laughs> um, but this is likely to be a two or maybe three-parter as I explore different kinds of distorted thoughts and also um, the opposite of that, which is positive thinking, but not positive thinking in a, gosh, this awful thing has just happened and I need to be positive about it, um, but positive thinking as in, uh, let's try and retrain my brain to find the positive rather than the negative, which will then enable me to deal more effectively with the terrible situations that inevitably we all face. Um, so first, you need to be able to identify distorted thoughts and when you have them. And being able to recognise them, you can start to question them and challenge them and eventually replace them with a more balanced view. So when you are trying to recognise your own distorted thoughts, it's helpful to be aware of what some of the most common ones are. And I'm going to go through some of those um, today. And you will almost certainly notice a number of distorted thoughts that you can relate to. And I will do a whole episode on kind of overcoming them. But the main thing to remember when combating these thoughts is to work with facts, not fiction. 
So the first one uh, I'd like to introduce is all or nothing thinking. So this is when we see things purely in black or white. And these types of thoughts are characterised by terms like every, always or never. Everything is seen as good or bad, a success or a failure. So, for example, you might have had a co-worker who you adored and loved and she was an absolute saint until she ate your sandwich and now you cannot stand her. Or maybe you um, did a 360 review at work and there were uh, a number of points that you need to improve, even though, you know, previously you'd like always done really well um, and now you consider yourself to be a failure. And all or nothing thinking usually leads to extremely unrealistic standards for yourself and others that can affect your relationships and your motivation. And to be honest, they set you up for failure. I'm talking to all my perfectionists out there. And I think it's important to note at this point that when we recognise our distorted thoughts, that also makes us more aware of our inner critic. So we all have a critical inner voice telling us how we should live our lives and influencing about how we feel about ourselves. And that critical inner voice consists of negative thoughts, beliefs and attitudes that are opposed to our, you know, best interests. So, for example, you know, they kind of like, oh, there's no point in trying or why don't you just give up trying to do that? And overcoming this critical voice will help you stop self-sabotaging behaviours, leaving you free to kind of peruse more satisfaction and meaning in your life. Sounds amazing, doesn't it? Um, And also sounds really hard. So I think it's really important that we... Um, we just kind of notice that uh, and acknowledge that sometimes it's our inner voice screaming at us. Um, So the second thing I want to talk about is mental filtering. So this is where we drain and strain all positives in a situation and instead we dwell on the negatives. Um, Even if there's more positive aspects than negative in a situation or a person, we focus on the negatives exclusively. And I have somebody I love very dearly in my life. In fact, I can think of two people that do this um, as standard. And it's really hard to um, help them get out of it in any way because you're like, well, but what was really good or... But what about that thing that happened? You know, like you were chosen for this and they're like, yeah, but only because no one else was left or whatever. Um, And so let's give you a work example. So let's think that it's annual review time at your company. Your manager, like truly and authentically compliments your hard work several times during the session. And at the end, they're like, but there's one like tiny thing that we can improve And they make that suggestion and you leave the the meeting feeling miserable and dwell on that um, suggestion all day long. And um, yeah, so so that's that's another one. It's just really hard. Like I my heart really the reason I pause is my heart just feels really sad when I meet people who like think like this. Um, And we all do it sometimes, you know, don't get me wrong. But but there are some people who think about it more than others like you know my daughter for example and to to give you a kind of um a different example let's fast forward to the first of january when we're all like yes new start new year new me i'm gonna 
eat healthily and nutritiously and all the rest of it. And you you spend um, t- two or three weeks doing that and it's all going really well. And then there comes a day where you don't have time to prep a meal and you just end up eating whatever is in front of you and you eat, uh, you know, something that you wouldn't normally eat, like, I don't know, like a massive burger and chips or whole pizza or, you know, a huge slice of cake. Uh, and incidentally, I personally believe that there's no such thing as bad foods. However, we are conditioned to believe in society that there are. So let's just go with it for a second. Um, and in doing so, in eating this, you know, huge burger, you're like, well, that's it. I've ruined my um, healthy eating routine uh, by eating this burger. And there's no point in even trying. And that's there's a little bit of all or nothing thinking in there. You know, I've done this thing. And therefore, this is the consequence. But I think as well, there's mental filtering. Because actually, instead of seeing that you've done really well for three weeks, that you've um, been really disciplined, that you've tried really hard, maybe you've lost weight if that's your goal, um, or you've, you know, nourished yourself rather than just eating crisps and chocolate or things off the kids' plates, uh, <clears throat> um we, you know, we just focus on that one negative experience, which actually it doesn't isn't negative. And and the reason actually I believe that, that there are no bad foods um, is because I've worked really hard on this kind of distorted thinking in my own life. Um, so, yeah, just just uh, just an aside, really. Um, number three, overgeneralization. So. This is where, and it, and it is related to what I've just said, so it's where we take an isolated negative event and we turn it into a never-ending pattern of loss and defeat. So we might use words like always or never or everything or nothing all again. Um, these, these three are very closely related. So, for example, you might speak up at a team meeting and maybe your suggestions are not included in the project and you leave that meeting going, well, that's it. I've ruined my chance for promotion. I never say the right thing. And you actually might go, um, you might go around and talk to your colleagues and say, you know, uh, oh, this is like, this is just awful. I never, I'm never going to get anywhere. Uh, I'm completely useless. And overgeneralization like manifests in our thoughts about the world and its events. So then you start saying, oh, well, there's no point in me even trying because they're always going to pass me over. Um, I'm never good enough to work here. Or I'm stuck here because I can't possibly go and work anywhere else. Do you see how it kind of gets to a point where you're like, well, that's it, you know, there's literally no point in me trying because no matter what I do, I will never be good enough. And as I say, it's it's important to remember that, that we all have these thoughts every now and again, the... Um, the problem comes when we are using these thoughts all the time and so uh, another one might be you know you're running late for work and on your way there you hit a red light and you think oh oh, this is ridiculous nothing ever works out for me and and we did this the other day my daughter said to me mummy why do we keep getting stuck in red lights and I was like well it's just the way the system works if if you hit one red light you then um tend to hit them all uh, because of the way that they they operate and so um 
it's it's something that we start off noticing and then we start believing that there's a problem with us or with ourselves. So next up comes discounting the positive. So this is really similar to mental filtering, but the main difference is that you dismiss something as a uh, being of no value when you do think of positive aspects. Now, I see this a lot in imposter syndrome and it's why in the exercise where I get you to um, speak to five people, I ask you to choose five people that you really wholly, completely trust their opinion. You trust that they would tell you the truth and and they would challenge you. So they're, they're usually people that you believe would be like totally honest with you. And that's what you want because then, a bit of reverse psychology, when they tell you something nice about you, you don't just dismiss it because you think they're being nice. Because that's one way of discounting the positive. So if someone compliments the way you look today, you're like, oh, yeah, they're just being nice. They don't really believe that. Or maybe your boss tells you how comprehensive your report was and you discount it as something that anyone else could do. And again, I see this a lot when it comes to putting things down in CVs or talking about stuff at interviews. People are like, well, yeah, I'm just doing my job. And I'm like, well, yes, I mean, on one hand, that is true. You are just doing your job. But would someone else in your situation just do the job in the same way? Possibly not. Um, And then a final example for discounting the positive is if you do well in a job interview, you think it's because they didn't realise you're not that good. So classic imposter syndrome. They hired me. I just blagged it. Oh my gosh, now what am I going to do? They're going to find out the real truth that I am terrible and awful at this job and that they should never have hired me. Okay, I'm going to do two more. Um, and they're related to each other. So the first is jumping to conclusions. So when we jump to conclusions, we interpret an event or situation negatively without evidence supporting such a conclusion. And then we react to our assumption. So for example, your partner comes home looking really serious. And instead of asking how they are, you immediately assume that they're mad at you. So consequently, you keep your distance. But in reality, your partner just had a bad day at work. Um, And So jumping to conclusions or mind reading is often in response to a persistent thought or concern of yours. It's why, you know, we talk about um, your reaction to or, or your reaction to somebody else actually being indicative of what you're worrying about. Does that make sense? It's like holding a mirror up. You might hear me say that in some stuff. Um. So, for example, maybe you feel insecure about your relationship. So when your partner you see them looking serious, you assume that they're losing interest in you. Does that make sense? Hopefully. And then the one that's related to it is probably one you've heard of, and it's called catastrophizing. So in this case, you jump to the worst possible conclusion in every scenario, no matter how improbable it is. Now, this distorted thought often comes with what-if questions. So... um, And I'm kind of like laughing because I do this. This is one I definitely do. So uh, if my partner goes out and I haven't heard from him. Well, I so I, yeah, anyway, I'll come back to that. Um, So if he goes out and I haven't thought, I haven't heard from him, I'm like, oh my gosh, what if he didn't call because he got into an accident? Or what if he didn't arrive um, and and he's late because he doesn't really want to meet me? Or what if I, you know, help this client and they end up kind of betraying or abandoning me? So you might get several questions in um, that follow in response to one event. So, 
for example, oh my gosh, what if my alarm doesn't go off in the morning for my really big interview? What if I'm then really late for the interview? <gasps> what if I um, get fired uh, from my current job because they find out I've been to an interview and because I was late and I've worked really hard for it and you can see how it goes on. And the reason, I don't know if you could hear it in my voice, but I was kind of smiling right at the beginning of this bit on catastrophizing is because I, I've i done that. And it's a really um, classic thing to do with, uh, with like a sleeping child or with somebody you love very much. I've done it, as I say, with my partner um, in previous moments where I look at them sleeping, I'm like, oh my gosh, I love them so much, what if they died in, an, in a car accident tomorrow? And you're like, what? What is, where's my brain going with that? And yet still, we do it. So, um, in summary, because <laughs> I know this was really long, and it's a lot of information to take in, um, but maybe you're listening and going, oh yeah, that one really, um, that one really resonates with me. So we've looked at all or nothing thinking, so black and white thinking, either or. Overgeneralisation, it would help if I could actually speak, wouldn't it? Um, where we kind of go, well, this very small negative thing happened and therefore I must be a complete failure to everything I've ever done. Discounting the positive, which is related, so this, I made a mistake and the whole project is a failure despite like at least 10 examples where it's been really good jumping to conclusions where we make an assumption and then we act on that assumption without actually checking anything in between and then catastrophizing um where we not only jump to a conclusion but we jump to the worst possible conclusion ever and a lot of these are combated um by recognizing them and then trying to replace them with a more balanced view. So we might reframe um, an example. So let me just have a think. So, um, well, let's take that burger example for the, um, uh, you know, the uh, overgeneralization and all or nothing. So, yes, I ate a burger for lunch, but I can still eat a balanced lunch or dinner or I can still I can get back on track tomorrow um, rather than writing off the whole thing. Um, jumping to conclusions, you might say, gosh, he looks serious. I'm going to ask him if he's OK or her, depending if your partner um, is a her or him or are they. Um, so. Uh, I'm going to ask them what's going on and are they okay uh, and trust that they will tell me. Oh, and one more for disqualifying the positive. So where you're thinking, oh, well, it's a fluke that this really good thing happened or everyone is just being nice, then, I, then what we would do if we worked together was we would challenge it and say, well, do they speak like that to everybody? Where have you got examples where they've said things like this before? Do you think that that could be true? You know, um, where have they given you critical advice and been really honest about something perhaps that you need to improve on? You know, are they always just being nice or can we take what they're saying at face value? Kind of thing? So 
Um, that covers off, what was it, five really positive, um, five really common distorted thinking uh, or distorted thoughts. Uh, apologies, it's been a little um, ummy and ari, uh, but I'm just kind of trying to make sure you get the information in a way that's useful and it's quite uh, heavy, so trying to make it kind of accessible. So hopefully I did um, and I will be back next week with um, the next five or more and then I think I will do one more on kind of um, how we combat it. So that's all for me this week and I will see you back here next week. So thanks so much for listening. I do really appreciate um, every listener and all the support that you give and the feedback that I get from you. If you have found value in what I've had to say today or if it's triggered a kind of response in you and you want to know more or you want to seek help and you don't quite know who to to go to then please get in touch over at yourtimetogrow.com you'll find um there's a let's uh, connect let's talk button that you can get in touch with me directly or there are loads of other resources on the website and on um, my free CMS, my careers management system uh, that you can access as well um, over at Member Vault. So yeah, do um, remember that I'm here to support you in kind of any way that I can and you're not alone. Take care.